Hello? Hello? Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? How you doing? Hello? I can't, can you hear, can't hear you. All right, cool. I can hear you now. I'm How good. you doing today? How are you? What's your clock say right now? Does it say 730? Because I feel like good. it's like four minutes ahead. Oh, I'm okay. at 729. All right. <laughs> I just want to make sure my phone is enough. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, we got a lot got a lot to talk about. A lot of action in the right NFL today. Oh, well, let's dive right into it. I want to um bring up two two players, both of them are quarterbacks, and we'll put them at the top of our discussion list. So the first one I will go to is okay. Kirk Cousins. He has apparently has agreed in principle to a contract with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he's agreed to it in the sense that no other teams is pursuing him, although he has not given the okay because apparently he's going to travel to Minnesota uh, tomorrow, meet with the coaches, the general manager and the owner, and then Thursday he's gonna he's gonna stay overnight. And Thursday he's going to take a tour of the facility and everything. And then if he likes what he sees, he's gonna sign his John mm -hmm. Hancock on the contract. So more or less is pretty much done. From what my understanding is, it's a three-year contract for $84 million. And here's the kicker. All of it is guaranteed. Which is unprecedented, right? That's something that's pretty new. It's unprecedented. There's never been a contract in the NFL where all of it okay. is guaranteed. So basically, he's around 20... Twenty-eight million a year. Well, I think that's. Um, I mean, the fact that it's a three-year deal, I don't think that that's that bad of a deal, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of that's probably because he's yeah, thirty exactly. years old right 30 now. Years old, and if it was if it was like a six-year deal, eighty-something million would have been guaranteed anyways. So I guess you're kind of just guaranteeing him all the money to to sign a shorter deal. Um, I guess in hopes, you know, that it makes sense. You know, for me, I think that Kirk Cousins is very overrated. You know, but... Okay, well, here, let me give you some other numbers which should solidify what you just stated. He's been in the, he's been in the league mm -hmm. five years. But what I'm going to do, no, he's been in the league six years. But what I'm going to do is I'm only going to give you stats over his last three years because those are the years to where he mm -hmm. was a full-time starter. So 
His record is 24, 23, okay. and 1 in, in the last three years. He has 81 touchdowns to 46 interceptions, which is not bad. He's passed for a little over 13,000 yards, so it's over 4,000 yards a season, which is good. His first year as a full-time starter, he completed 69% of his passes. Year two, 67%. In this past season, mm -hmm. 64%. In those three years, he has pocketed $46 million. So, and I don't believe, and this is just my belief in watching him, we always talk about, scouts always talk about, draft gurus always talk about players having that it factor. Number one, I don't see Kirk Cousins last three years as justifying $84 million all guaranteed. I don't believe Kirk Cousins has that it factor where he could take a team over the top. I think Kirk Cousins is a, I'll put it this way. Who do we believe had a better year? Who, who was the Minnesota quarterback last year? Uh, I didn't watch any games, so I couldn't tell you. What's his name? Something Keenum? Yeah, Case Keenum. Is Kirk Cousins worth that much more than Case Keenum? When you look at what they did last year. To me, it, it appears to me Case Keenum had that it factor. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And what he was able to do in Minnesota. He galvanized that team. And they now, basically said, we'll people, follow you. Cousins has I don't, never had a team like the Vikings. Well, he's never had a defense like the Vikings. He's has, had an offense. Has he? He's at, except, for this, except for this past year where they got rid yeah. of all his receivers. <laughs> and he really didn't have a true running back. But his first two years playing, he had, he had Deshaun Jackson. He had Pierre Garçon. He had... I think it was Jared Cook, the tight end, and Reed, the other tight end. He had Morris for his first year there as a running back where he got over 1,000 yards rushing. And, I mean, and it shows because his first year he did have – he did complete almost 70% mm -hmm. of his passes. So when he had the weapons, he put up the numbers. But just because you put up the numbers does not mean that players follow you. Because when I say galvanize the troops, you that means players will say, I will go to war with you. I will go through the fire with you. I know when you get out on the field, I could bet my life that you're going to make something good happen. And from the way the other players play behind you, you could tell they have that confidence in that quarterback or running back or whoever it is that we're talking about. I don't think Kirk Cousins has that to where players mm -hmm. will do that for him.
that's why I I don't believe I don't believe he's you know that player. Yeah, I agree. Now, you know, it, it's the interesting thing is um, Mike Zimmer, the coach of the Minnesota Vikings, made a comment a couple of weeks ago that he has to get this decision right. If he gets it right, he's a savior. If he gets it wrong, he gets fired. Talking about making sure he gets the right quarterback Mm-hmm. to uh, run this team. So here's here's the question for you. Is he a savior or does he get fired? Uh, Tom, uh, I, it depends on how that defense shows up. That, I mean, I don't think Kirk Cousins is any better than Case Keenum. So I don't know. That's just a stupid thing to say to me, like to be a savior. If, if your defense plays well, <laughs> and your running game plays well, then you have a chance to repeat what you did last year. I personally don't believe that the defense or the running game will be as good as it was this past year. They're going to play a harder schedule. Uh, I, I believe Aaron Rodgers will be, be back all 16 games. Um, I think the Lions will be better, uh, or they'll be just as competitive. I don't see the the, the Vikings having the same – type of success defensively or offensively like they did last year, even with Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, I I mean, yeah, <laughs> it depends on how he plays. I don't know what – I don't. you can't – I mean, it depends on how Kirk Cousins plays. I, I, I don't think that he's going to – I think Kirk Cousins is overrated, oh. but that's just because I've seen him and he's not – he's like a Case Keenum or a um, – um, like a Brock Eisweiler. <laughs> like, they're just not, they're the same type of quarterbacks to me. Well, I think Minnesota's defense, it might not end up being number one, but it will I mean, be in the all... top five. We'll see if that happens. I, I think... They had a lot of things that fell well, in their place. They did lose. They did, well, I think most teams do have to have things fall in mm-hmm. their place to go as far as they did. Uh, except for, you know, Philadelphia, which lost the starting quarterback, the starting middle linebacker, and the starting left tackle. They mm-hmm. still won the Super yeah. Bowl. <laughs> uh, but like I said, I think even though you got a great defense, I still think you need a quarterback who has an it factor. I'm not saying you have to be a Pro Bowl quarterback because there have been quarterbacks to win Super Bowls that's not great, but they were able to galvanize their team and their team had a lot of confidence in them. And they were... Right, Nick Foles. I mean... uh, he He was able to put that team on his shoulders and say, let's go. People could say, well, their defense was great. Well, they won the Super Bowl 41 to 38. That sounds like Nick yeah. Foles was awful good. And I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think Kirk Cousins and Nick Foles are you the know, same so- person, the same quarterback. You know, I, I, you know, I don't think people were saying people were going to galvanize behind Nick Foles until the last four games. You know, I don't think he had that 
it factor or anything. He was bouncing around. I just think that when you have the right team around somebody and you have a coach who puts your players in the best positions to win, you know, then I think that you can be successful. I think Nick Foles and Kirk Cousins are like the same quarterback. You know, I think Nick Foles will be a backup this year. Well, <laughs> like he's going to be a backup. Well, well, I think Nick Foles will be a backup, and I think he will be a backup yeah. the rest of his career that he played because, you know, he was drafted in the second round. Um, very seldom do you get those type of quarterbacks to be franchise quarterbacks. I mean, it happens every now and then. Tom Brady, Tony Romo, Drew Brees, you know, Joe Montana, <laughs> you know, to think of a few quarterbacks yeah. who were drafted beyond the first round, um, who 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 went on to become franchise quarterbacks. So, but I, I guess what I'm saying is, um, I think Kirk Cousins is is not the hype, like you stated. He's not worth all the hype because if you look at what he's done in big games, mm-hmm. he's lost. He's he's looked confused in big games. That's not galvanizing your troop. A lot of times you can lose big games, but if you if the numbers you put up was remarkable and your team was still fighting, then I think those are the things you look at. I, I I could go all the way back to 1994 when the Dallas Cowboys played the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, and that mm-hmm. was the game that they lost. And that was the game to where you had the huge controversy. Was it pass interference, Dion or Michael Irvin, or was it not when Dallas was coming back? And that was the game Dallas was down 21 to nothing mm-hmm. in the first four minutes of the game. And the way they came back and only lost by a touchdown, even, even Troy Aikman said it the best. He says, I'm more proud of this team, even though we lost. I think we played better than we did the prior two years when we went to the Super Bowl and won it. And what he meant by that is he told Michael Irvin and this team, we going to come back and we going to have a chance to win. And he went out there and that team followed him and he almost did it. That's what I'm talking about when I say you got a quarterback who has that it factor and could tell your players, this is what we're going to do follow my lead and I'll take you there. Yeah. No. That's where I, I say, I haven't watched Kirk Cousins enough. Maybe you have to, to, you know, have that conclusion about him. I just don't think you need to have a quarterback to have an it factor to win. So I think I, so I, think no, I don't, that he I don't was think because it's the market of the quarterback. Cause you know, we, we definitely know why he was paid what he was paid. It's because of the market in the NFL today. And he was the, you know, the hottest quarterback on the market. So that's why he got paid. We both agree he didn't deserve it. You know, right. uh, when it comes to the hit factor, I just don't know what Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he has that or not. I, I don't. I don't. He could. He or he could not. I really don't know. But could he take a team like the Vikings far? I think he can because he's 
no different than a Case Keenum. And I don't think Case Keenum has an it factor. I mean, if he did, it wouldn't have took eight years to develop well, old Case Keenum. Is. I think I think you have to have the it factor. I mean, Joe Flacco has no win it. factor. I think. Well, I'll put it. I'll put it. I'll, I'll, I'll retract that. I think you have to have the it factor at some point in the game to make the right throw at the right time if 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 the game is thrown on your shoulder to do it. There have been quarterbacks who totally relied on their defense. Joe Flack. You could go back to the Baltimore Ravens back when um what was his name? Who was the quarterback? Ray Lewis the second yeah, year in the Dil- league. Dilford yeah, Dilford. Dilford had somewhat like an it factor because he could galvanize the team. He just couldn't play. But, see, you could have the it factor but not be a great quarterback like a Tom Brady. You know, you, you look at a Tom Brady, he has both. He has an it factor yeah. and he's a great quarterback. I think some, I think some quarterbacks, players will follow you through because of the confidence that you exude, but you just don't have the tools to back it up. Like Tim Tebow. But somehow you get it done. I well, mean, they have, play, yeah, pro players who <laughs> when they were seven and four and won a playoff game. Well, they, whatever, whatever. Yeah, and I think I think that's because he was yeah, such yeah, a likable person. It factor, you know what I mean? Right. So, so, but hey, you know what? We're we're in a land of opportunity, and yep, Kirk Cousins got, got paid. paid. I think. Okay, so so that brings me to my second quarterback, and I'm gonna give you the numbers on this guy, and you t- and I want you to tell me who he is. Okay. Okay. He's been in the league eight years. Out of 128 possible games he could have started, okay. he only started 80. His record is 34 and 45 and one. He has a very good touchdown to interception ratio. 101 touchdowns to 57 interceptions. And in those eight years, he's made $115 million. Who am I talking mm. about? I have no idea. Luck? Oh, Sam Bradford. Okay. Sam Bradford. He made $65 million with the Rams, $24 million with the Eagles, and $25 okay. million with the Vikings. He only has a 34 and 45 uh-huh. record. So what makes this guy so good that he just signed a one-year $20 million contract with the Arizona yeah, that Cardinals? That shows the Arizona Cardinals are desperate. No, I, I think it was Arizona. My computer is down right now. When I get it back up, I can see. But it shows me, like one guy said, Whatever he's doing or whatever he's saying, 
We need yeah, to borrow right? it up and we need sell to write it. A book on how to get how to get overpaid. A hundred and fifteen million dollars, and he has a sub five hundred record and can't stay healthy. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. When somebody can, when somebody can literally tell me with a straight face that Sam Bradford is better than a, a Calvin Kaepernick, I just laugh. It's like the dude is not reliable. He got hurt again this year, didn't he? Playing for the Vikings. Yeah, he played the first game because uh-huh. remember I had him in my fantasy. He played the first game and he gave me like sixty some points in fantasy the first game because he threw forward three hundred yards and four touchdowns and didn't play after that because something happened yeah, to I his knee. Sam Bradford's knees that are made out of paper mache. I think that you know, it's just it's I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't I don't understand what the market the, the how the market is there for a Sam Bradford. Especially for fifteen million dollars guaranteed and a twenty million dollar contract, and it wasn't the Cardinals because I'm reading that right now. Yeah. Well, I, I gotta, I gotta. Um, let, let's not throw that out there as something. No, I'm saying because I, I can't it remember the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, it says. Sam so it is with the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals. Fifteen million guaranteed. For twenty million dollars. For for paper it shows you how much de- how desperate the Cardinals are. Who gets are. And I don't I don't understand. Like in a in a in a, to me when I look at the NFL, I feel like you're you're not in a need to be desperate. And of course, it's still a win win now league, but I think I think the talent is getting is there's talent out there coming out in the draft, and I think that I don't know if I was a GM, I would understand that you need to draft instead of go out and sign. A quarterback who has no success, who hasn't had any history of success, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. If I, if I was, if I was certain quarterbacks, I would feel uh, disrespected. Well, I would feel this. I understand. I agree with you. The NFL is, you know, it's a win now league. You know, and it, it it's become a win now league because of endorsement deals that the owners get for the stadium rights and the owners have to keep money coming in. And the only way to keep money coming in is you have to put a productive product out on the field. So I do understand that. The but is that true though? When now? I mean, cause the Lions still true? sell out and they haven't won crap in their history. Like, I, I think that, well, I think the NFL is big now, no matter what market you're in, you're 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 selling out, or you're sell, you're doing pretty well now. Well, see, okay. Well, let me correct you. I'm not talking about selling out as far as fans coming to the game, because there's more revenue that the owners look for instead of just the fans coming to the game. They're looking for their box office, their box spaces up there to be full with the you know with Exxon and these you know Fortune 500 companies. They look to get endorsement deals from MasterCard, American Express, Coke. That's what they look for. And if if you're not winning as a team, you're not going to get those sponsors because the sponsors just say, well, you know, number one, you're not winning. You're never going to be on Monday Night Football where people are going to see our namesake slapped on your stadium. So why should we pay you? 
that's why when you look at teams like Pittsburgh, you know, Dallas, even though Dallas has had their share of losing, but they're still America's team and people watch them regardless. You got New England, you got the Green Bay. They're able to get these endorsements because number one, people run to them and, 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 and they're winning most of the time. Now, Detroit, yes, they're losing. They're not actually selling out a lot of games. I mean, I'm just looking at this. Um, they got Bass Pro Sports and Pepsi and Oakley and Nitro. And I get what you're saying. I just think that if I was if I if I was if I was a GM, I would tell the owner, "Look, we're not we're not going to make big bucks until we're winning, and we're not going to seriously contend until we draft players that that are quality. But we can't go out and overspend." on a free agent quarterback who has, has no success. Like you're not, you're not, I know we have to spend a certain amount of the cap. And we'll I know see. we have to try to get the best roster available, but $20 million to a quarterback who's never had success. That's overspending who, who, whoever pays for him, whoever pays for him. Well, no, no, I agree with you with regards to that. You're spending $20 million on a quarterback who hasn't proven anything in this league yet. So I agree with you. My problem with, when I see a team like Arizona, going back to what you're saying is, you know, you had ample time to prepare for this actual moment right here where you need a quarterback. Carson Palmer was broken down his last three years in Arizona. You've had three drafts to try to get you a quarterback and you didn't draft not one quarterback. So they're in the situation they're in forced to pay somebody like Bradford to come there because they have failed to do what's right by their fans and their organization by trying to draft the quarterback. We said the same thing. But we don't, you don't think they can draft a quarterback this year? You know, I don't well, know. What is their draft has to be better status? Than Sam Bradford. That's, that's what I mean. Because Sam, you would disappoint your fans by well, spending so much money in, to well, a player that's not going to play. Like if he gets hurt or if he does play, it's not going to be anything exciting. Wouldn't that be just a disappointing? Like, hey, we could have signed uh, Earl Tom. I mean, didn't they just let go of Peterson? I thought they. I thought I heard him saying they might let go of Peterson. Yeah, that's yeah, because so there's stud running backs coming but, back. Uh, but um, yes, I they, think they, I would rather keep him, him instead of trying to go sign a Sam Bradford. That's just me. If I was a GM, I would – because there's other ways to win in the NFL. And I, I, I just don't think that you just, you're disappointing your fans. Well, I, I, I think you look at it as – you look at it as if. And this is the huge if right here. We need to put – IF in bold letters and underline it and circle it. If Bradford is, stays healthy, he's probably was the second best free agent quarterback out there, talent-wise. If he stays mm-hmm. healthy, and that's been the key, staying healthy. So if he stays healthy, we can still draft a quarterback this year, but if you can't get one in the first round, how many teams really 
start a quarterback draft to be on the first round. Dallas drafted Dak. He'd have never started if Romo and mm -hmm. Kellen Moore had not gotten hurt. So you would you really would have never known what you had in Dak Prescott because Romo would still be there if he hadn't got hurt. So the only quarterbacks who seem to start from the first snap of the season or you know within the first half of the season are first round picks. So let me look up where they draft that because that might have been their best option to put a legitimate product but see that's that's, that's, that's my only argument until they groom product. somebody i don't know how anybody can say sam bradford even if he stays no but like i said if he stays healthy and like i said that's the that's the I, big if i know i, I if I, I he stays healthy talent wise talent wise he's probably the second best free agent quarterback okay but 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 like but i Dad, said we just got off we just got rid of he stays done saying her cousins is overrated and he's not that great of a quarterback so the second quarterback behind him is not is is less than him to me that huge if he stays healthy is not worth 20 million dollars that's just me and i and i get what you're saying cuz he's the second quarterback in well, free agency the second best he's going to warrant some money you know, I, I, I get the whole dynamic. I'm just saying that if I was a GM in 2018, I would really seriously consider talking to the owner and being like, it's not, I give me three years or give me another year or this, this is not, this right here, we can put this money in to make our defense one of the top defenses. And you saw what the Vikings did and you saw what these other teams did when they have a top defense. We can't put our money into Bradford. Okay, so what... What would be your option? What would be your option at quarterback? But I would use my first round pick, whatever pick it is, 15th, 17th, 18th, whatever it is, and get a quarterback. If there isn't a quarterback valued that high, you know, then I would scan free agency and find a good the replacement and, and be run centric. Because because if you're gonna I just feel like you put Sam Bradford out there and he gets hurt the second game of the season. You're 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 where you're going to be at anyways, or even if he stays healthy, to me, he hasn't shown any types of greatness when he is healthy. So like, even if he stays healthy, chances of you being a great offensive team is very slim. He's not going to escape any type of pressure. <laughs> He's not like a really great down the field passer. He's he's Nick Foles, and Nick, but just Nick Foles stays healthy. And I think Nick Foles is a better passer. I think Sam Bradford's lost well, his lower body strength because of these knee injuries and these 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 things he keeps going through in his age. I don't think he can drive the ball down the field. So I'm just saying, like, to me, $20 million is just crazy. It's crazy. Well, I mean, it might sound crazy, but if you're the GM of a team and the owner of a team, and you're looking out at giving your fans something to cheer about. If I was a fan, I would rather I would applaud my team for trying to go out and get a veteran instead of just sitting back and not doing anything at all. And what they're doing is they're trying to get somebody to make their team legitimate. And if you're a smart team with a smart coach and a smart offensive coordinator, you're going to look at it as 
Arizona is going to be a running team next year anyway, which will actually protect Sam Bradford. Because if they're smart, they would do what Dallas did to Dak Prescott. You throw the ball 20 to 25 times a game because of the running back that they have, because of the offensive line that they have. And you say, you know, if we could keep him healthy, we could be legit. Minnesota said the same thing. The first game of the season, Bradford only threw the ball, I think it was 28 times. He threw it for over 300 yards. They ran the ball for over 160 yards that game. So they didn't put him at risk. He got injured because some fluke accident, which, you know, it happens. But they didn't put him in arm's way to where he would get hit and get hurt. Now, it is sad because, you know, when you're injury-prone, it seems exactly. like a blade of so grass. It's not even, like, we need to, up it's not even like, oh, if we get him protection, he'll stay healthy. <laughs> Boy, it don't even matter. <laughs> like... Right. But, you know, the thing is, he could. And if he stays healthy and it pays off, Minnesota looks good. If it doesn't pay off, as a fan, you will say, you know what, they tried. Because when you look at the landscape of the other quarterbacks well, I, out I, there, I think... what do you have to choose from? And hold on, hold on. One last thing. When you talk about $20 million, when a Kirk Cousins is getting almost $30 million, and we're saying there's not that much difference in skill set, Arizona might say we got a bargain. Especially when you look at um, – McCown re-up with the Jets for $10 million. And he's 38 years old. So the, he's, he's getting paid of what the market bears for his talent. Maybe not for his injury, because I understand there is a huge difference. He might be getting paid for what they believe his talent can do for this team, especially if they say, we don't have to rely on him to win the game because if our stud running back stays healthy, then we can lean on him. Well, the Cardinals signed well. Mike Glennon as well this offseason. But if we're talking about quarterbacks, I feel like that are available that are better than Sam Bradford. Uh, again, I think Colin Kaepernick. I would say Geno Smith, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, Matt Moore, uh I would give EJ Emanuel a shot. To be honest, um, <laughs> not Mark Sanchez. Heck no. Hey, Matt Castle. I, I I need to sell you some. I need to sell you some swamp land if you go if you go truck this quarterback for, for the price ahead of Sam Bradford. Heck yeah, for the price, <laughs> I would I would sign a EJ Manuel for a two million dollar three million dollar contract. I think talent wise, he's not he's no he's not too much worse off than Sam Bradford and he's probably gonna stay healthy. That's just Well number one, I don't think you'll get any quarterback for two million dollars considering the minimum in the league you don't right think now. Is million million. Get two million dollars. These these he's not he's not on no team right now. EJ Manuel. Well, you know, and Yeah, I mean, he's not on any team because it's talent. 
That's a big thing. See, I think what we're lost here with Bradford is if you throw away all the injury issues and everything else, his talent uh, I don't, I don't is see right it. up That's there with me. the best. Of I, I've seen him play enough. I don't see the talent. I think the talent is up there, not the best of them. It's, it's not up there with Aaron Rodgers and those guys, but his talent is probably right at the bottom of the second, mm. the second tier quarterbacks. His talent is. Now, you have to throw in all the other factors. And, you know, when you get a team that's, like I said, Arizona is desperate because they didn't, they chose not to prepare. But how long for are they going to continue moment. to wait? They just had Carson Palmer, who is pretty much Sam Bradford. It's <laughs> like very talented, but can cannot stay healthy. And then you go ahead and say, "Okay, let's get the younger version of Carson Palmer." But like I said, that's going back to the to the stupidity yeah. of the organization itself. You know because. You 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 just went through a quarterback who couldn't stay healthy, but when he was healthy, he put up good numbers. Sam Bradford's the same way. He's not going to stay healthy, but when he's healthy, he puts That's up why good I, numbers. I was a Cardinals fan, so maybe maybe it's because I played football, and maybe the average Cardinals fan is hasn't played as much football, doesn't look that much deep into football. But if I was a Cardinals fan, I'd be more upset at them getting Sam Bradford than them trying to find new talent. Because I, 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 you, you know, at some point you have to understand it's a process to build a team. I'm not, and I'm not saying them or you. I'm saying just an average fan has to understand that it takes time to build a team. You can't just build it overnight. And what the Cardinals have been trying to do, which is sign these high-priced free agent quarterbacks who are injury-prone, it's just not working out. So me as a fan, I would look back and be like, okay, you know what? Try something well, new. You know, the, the Cowboys have. Well, they've only signed they've only signed one quarterback, uh, which was Carson Palmer, no, no, did, and they signed him out of retirement, not because he was. But he could he he was able to stay healthy. He was able to stay. No, be no be. What's that? I said he was able to stay healthy. Kurt Warner. Yeah, Kurt Warner stayed healthy. They signed Kurt Warner. He stayed healthy. He played real very well. Then then came Carson Palmer. Who they signed out of retirement because remember Carson Palmer got traded from Cincinnati to Oakland, and then he got so frustrated in Oakland that he retired, and then Arizona came and got him yeah. out of retirement. So he, it as a fan, just a, just as a fan of football, even if I was an mm-hmm. Arizona Cardinal fan, and I had somewhat knowledge of football within itself, which most fans just want you to go out and grab the highest yeah. price player out there. But in understanding there is a process of building a team, you have to build a team, but also it's a delicate situation between building a team, but also being competitive while mm-hmm. you build that team. And if you lost Carson Palmer, who was making $20 million a year, you're not losing nothing in your cap because all you're doing is inserting Sam Bradford into that slot mm-hmm. that Carson Palmer had. So you're not really losing anything as far as cap room because I'm just putting your I'm just replacing salary, I mean player for player with the same salary. 
but I'm still trying to be competitive because they still might go out and draft yeah. the quarterback. And now you have a Sam Bradford to groom who we just drafted. That could be their plan. Now, if that's not their plan and they don't draft the quarterback in the first two to three rounds, then we could look at each other and say, you know, there's some fools yeah, running exactly. that organization. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm looking at it right now, they have the 15th pick in the draft. And they're and they're, they're stating that there's four to five quarterbacks that might go in the first round. Mm-hmm. Will one fall to them? Or will they try to draft up to get one? We will see yeah. come the end of April. We will see come the end of April. Okay. Now that we've we got those two out the way, let's get to some other signings that we could um, talk about. Um, we could talk about the ex-Pats Patriots cornerback Butler. He signed. He's gonna sign with the Tennessee. That was Titans. one that didn't play in the Super Bowl, right? So he won't be playing Correct. the Super Bowl next year either. Oh, you so called. Pretty much guaranteed that. Um, but I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he's getting a deal. Uh, Yes, $61 million. Even more, it just makes you even more want to scratch your head and wonder why he didn't play. If he can go out in the free agency and garner that much money, then to me, he's a, he was talented enough to be on the field during the Super Bowl, regardless of what issues he had, because it's the biggest game that you work for all season. You can't have somebody work all season for something. Right. And then when you get there, you bench them. Like, I don't, unless he murdered somebody, unless he pulled Aaron Hernandez, or unless he, like, was caught sleeping with Bill Belichick's wife, you know, outside of something like that, you got to play him. So I'm happy. I'm happy he's moving right. on and he has maybe a chance to play the Patriots down the line someday. Okay. He's signing a five year, $61 million deal that includes 30 million guaranteed. Say that one more time, please. A five-year, $61 mm-hmm. million dollar contract with $30 million okay. guaranteed. Now, now, to give you a little background on this, which is interesting, because uh, Belichick came out and said something about Malcolm Butler that was kind of interesting, because Malcolm Butler was not a high draft pick. I, he came out of Division Two. West Alabama. He uh-huh. wasn't drafted. He was invited to the New England to, to the New England uh, camp mm-hmm. for a tryout, and he earned a contract on the ninety-man roster. And then he made the team. A lot of it is because of his size. He's five foot eight, one hundred and ninety-five. No, no, take that back. No, they don't put it somewhere mm-hmm. looking at somebody else. So, but Belichick says something very interesting. And a lot of times I hate to see coaches 
say something negative about a player. And I, I, I'm not sure if this is would be considered negative or just what Belichick sees. And I, I think you have to put a lot of stock in what Belichick sees because of his success in the NFL as a coach and as a, a talent mm-hmm. evaluator. He made the comment that out of all the players he has ever coached and who's ever come through his organization, Malcolm Butler was the one player who didn't get any better from year one to year two. Okay. Now, players are supposed yeah. to get better. <laughs> he said Malcolm Butler really never got better from his rookie season mm-hmm. to now. So maybe that's why New England had no problems letting him go. Maybe that's why when they looked at the Super Bowl, they figured they had better opportunities, which yeah. I disagree with. I think when you have somebody like a Butler, his name by itself will speak for itself and will get defensive coordinators pause about throwing to his side. So I do disagree with that. But that's what Bill Belichick said, that he uh, that out of all the players that have come through his organization, Malcolm Butler is the one who didn't get any better from year mm. one to year two. So, and as far as what he got as far as numbers, I go back to what Stephen Jones with the Cowboys said. When you're a free agent, a good player gets played like an outstanding player. And an outstanding player gets, put, gets paid mm-hmm. like he's the next coming. So they're always going to be overpaid. I think Malcolm Butler might be overpaid. $61 million is a lot of money with $30 million guaranteed for a player who couldn't even, for whatever reason, didn't play in the Super Bowl. And for whatever reason, somebody with an eye for talent like Belichick chose not to even tender or offer. And maybe, you know, I wonder if, Later down the road, hindsight kicks in, and maybe Malcolm Butler thanks Bill Belichick for not playing him. Because I maybe part of the reason why he got the money is because he didn't play. I mean, going off of what you said, if he didn't improve from year one to year two, and he wasn't really improving, and he was un he wasn't drafted high, or you said he was undrafted, so you go undrafted. He was undrafted. Um, maybe if he was simply just released at the end of the season without all this controversy. Uh, surrounding him in the Super Bowl and not playing, then maybe a lot of people would have been asking the questions why he was retired, why not retired, why why he was released. It, it would have been a lot more. Now it well, seems like they're you know he's released you know and part of that reason is because the Super Bowl controversy and yada 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 yada. Or well, he didn't get agent, released, you know what I mean? but he didn't, he didn't get resigned. Yeah, he's a free agent. You know, and, yeah, he didn't get resigned. He's a free agent, and I think you know. The unfortunate part is we wonder why some teams are always on top and always have a good record is because they see things in players that I think a lot of other talent evaluators don't see. And they look at things logically, which I think a lot of talent evaluators don't because 
I believe Malcolm Butler got this much money because he was a Super mm-hmm. Bowl MVP. Just this is just the fact we could go all the way back to the nineteen ninety five Super Bowl where Dallas played Pittsburgh and Brown intercepted two passes and turned around and cast that in on a huge free agent contract, then got released the mm-hmm. next year by the Raiders because he couldn't perform. And that's why I think sometimes if you're in the, the right place at the right time and you do something good, because Malcolm Butler would have never been on anybody's map if he hadn't a lot <laughs> and got MVP of the Super Bowl. Pretty much. <laughs> well, no, he, 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 he didn't get MVP. Tom Brady did, but Tom Brady gave, gave the MVP uh-huh. over to him. So – he wouldn't have been a household name like he is now if it wasn't for that big moment because of the fact he was undrafted. Some first-round picks are going to be a household name regardless of if they perform or if they don't because they were a first-round pick. Malcolm Butler wasn't a household name because he was undrafted, but because of his performance in the Super Bowl, he became a household name. Regardless of what his talent dictated, he was still a household name, according to what Bill Belichick is saying. Well, but he's never lived up to what he did that first year in the Super Bowl. <laughs> True. So, you know, now we can go to another player, Deion Lewis, the running back with the Patriots, signed a four-year, twenty-three million dollar contract on the Titans himself. Wow, so he went. He went with Malcolm Butler. So the Titans over here trying to get all the yeah. old Patriots players. And then another Patriot player that they lost, Danny Amendola, went to the Miami Dolphins. Okay. I mean, I don't think that was that big of a loss for the Patriots. Well, according to the Patriots and the players on the team, they said he was their playoff guy. They said he always – he always – Got better with yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, he goes from being below average to average. I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> I, I, we had we had hey. Danny Amendola. Hey. We seen what that was. Not that he was terrible, but well, but you got to remember Dallas had him invited into camp and got rid of him yeah. after camp, yeah. and then he went to yeah. the Rams and he he honed his craft with the Rams, and then he went to the Patriots. And hold it even better because the players on the Patriots said he's the one receiver on that team who knew how to get open. Over Edelman? So over somebody like that? Edelman? Yeah, they said he knew how to get open. They said, especially when it came to the playoffs. He knew how even Rob Gronkowski came out and said he knew how to get open better than anybody else on this team when the playoffs came around. So, you know, hey. Uh- he can't. I mean, it's not a big contract. It was a two-year, twelve million dollar contract. So he's getting. I think the Patriots will go try to find themselves another um, white quarterback who got some speed and convert him to a receiver and keep it moving. <laughs> okay, let's see. Who else do we have? Teddy Bridgewater is supposed to be going to the Jets. All right. So they stayed. Um. The Packers 
The Packers signed defensive end Wilkerson and the tight end Graham. That could be, that... And they released. And they released. Yeah, that could be pretty big. Jordy for Nelson. Packers. Uh, with Jimmy Graham, they're going to be yes. using him a lot, flexing him out wide and putting him in the slide. I don't think he's going to do a lot of blocking for the for the Packers. I think they're going to keep um, that one dude, Rodgers, the other tight and probably keep him, and mm-hmm. him, he'll do a lot of blocking. You'll see a lot of two tight end sets with Jimmy Graham running a lot of routes and Rodgers standing in the block. So I think that's going to be – again, I think, I think, the, I yeah. think the Packers are going to – they're gonna have a. They're gonna have a really good season next year. I feel. Uh, and a lot of people think they're gonna re-sign Jordy just Nelson for a cheaper anyway. price. Yeah, well, he was he was due to make ten point mm-hmm. two million dollars. So they they needed yeah. that cap room. Um, the Jets also signed the best cornerback out on the market. Yeah, okay, who's that? Tremaine Johnson, oh, okay. he was the cornerback with the, the Rams. They signed him, and they signed linebacker Avery Williamson. So some teams are really making some moves out here. All right. Um, let's see. I've seen some Cowboy fans say, you, we, need to do, we need to do something in free agency. And it's like, we got no money. And we had to, you know, franchise DeMarcus Lawrence and all that. We got no money. Cowboys got no money to be going out there and splurging on just anything in free agency. If the right thing comes up, the Cowboys can make anything work. But Well, I think I think you just said it better than anybody else could say it. If you look at the Cowboys the last five years, Jimmy Johnson, I mean, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones have basically said the same thing. We're going to build through the draft because like, like Stephen Jones said, you pay average players like great players in free agency because people get in bidding wars. They're not going to do it. Their, their mantra now is to sign their own. The, the problem with signing your own is you, you need to win at some point because they're drafting well, but they're signing, but they're not winning. So your cap is going to get messed up on great players who's not winning now. You know, the players, unfortunately, signing Tyrone Smith and Frederick and signing Zach Martin to me, they're no-brainers because these guys are not just pro bowlers. They're all pros. Mm-hmm. So they're no-brainer. Franchise tagging D. Lawrence, I agree with. The unfortunate part about that is, and a lot of times this is where teams get stuck in a sense, is you have a player who's on your team for three years and really don't put up great numbers until the last year of his contract. And now you as a team have to say to yourself, is he the player that played on the last year of his contract, or is he the type of player who played the way he did the first three years? So you don't want to sign him to a long-term contract because you don't know what you're getting. So you slap the franchise tag on him, and if they perform like they did last year, 
hey, we'll sign you to a long-term deal. Yeah. And I think that's what happened to D. Lawrence is, what D. Lawrence are you getting? The one with 14 and a half sacks or the one who was injured with no sacks yeah, last just, you know, year? Yeah, to all those Cowboy fans out there are tripping about free agency. Like, it's always every year. People hope that well, Cowboys you know, like um, and, and Adrian Peterson. And, like, they, I like the free agency. It's just like it needs. But like I said, look, those those aren't true football fans. They're yeah. just Cowboy fans. You know, because the way I look at it is Dallas got the biggest fish out in free agency outside of, outside of Kirk Cousins. Because if D. Lawrence was out there as a free agent, he'll be the second guy going after Kirk Cousins. That's how much he was coveted out there. So Dallas... Dallas did get the big fish in free agency. It was mm-hmm. their own. <laughs> now, they could have cap room if they could sign him to a long-term deal. Because if you, right now, he's going to count $17.1 million against the cap because that's what his franchise tag number is. But if you could sign him to a six- or seven-year contract, you could drop that number down from the first year all the way down to about three, four million dollars, which would free up about ten to eleven million dollars of cap room for you. For sure. So, um, <clears throat> so there are some big winners out there. What else you want to talk about? What else is um, going on in the NFL? Um, Odell Beckham got caught. Uh, what else? Do- you see that video, Odell Beckham? You know, I have not seen it. I've heard of it. And I I will piggyback what Stephen A. Smith said. He said he's a fool. He said he's a fool in this sense. He says, you're a fool because you're trying to mm-hmm. get paid. He said, if you already had gotten paid, you're still a fool, but a lesser yeah. fool. <laughs> So he said, because you're trying to get paid and because you're trying to convince the Giants you're worth this amount of money, you cannot put yourself in a situation to where there is drugs. And the insinuation is that the one drug that they're talking about was probably cocaine. Because they said it was a white powder lined up in rows like you would sniff cocaine or snort it or whatever. And he was there with the girl. He has some brown cigarette in his hand. They don't know if it's a cigarette or, Mm -hmm. you know, a joint. They don't know. So, and the other thing is, and this is on a personal level for him. My understanding, it wasn't his girlfriend. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. (laughs) So, he right now... The NFL is investigating. He could get suspended for conduct detrimental Mm -hmm. to the league. So where does this put his contract status at? And like Stephen A. Smith said, the Giants hold the leverage because this is the last year of his contract. They could franchise you for the next two years if they want. So they still have a three-year control over you and not give you the money that you want. 
Exactly. So you you put yourself in an awkward situation that could be detrimental to your financial health long term. And and the fact you're coming off an injury and you have a tendency to get injured quite a bit. You know, uh, that bears more monitoring. That yeah, I hear I'm monitoring. starting to hear rumors now about could the Giants possibly trade him to the Jaguars or other places. Um you know, I, to me, I think this would be – I think this is like Odell's first time in trouble off the field. It's not even – it's not even that he's in trouble. I can't, I can't say he's in trouble, but this is the first time he's had a bad look off the field, if I'm not mistaken. I think a lot of his issues have been on the field, like temper tantrums and things like that. Well, he, he, he's, he's had a couple of off-the-field things that he has done, but they're just – they're not things that he would have got suspended for or anything else. They're minor things. And then his then his constant yapping, um, putting his team in a bad light. You know, those are all, you know, we talked about this before. NFL teams don't want things. They don't want you there if you're going to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly yapping to cornerbacks how you're going to beat them, or safeties, or whatever, to which cause for somebody like a Josh Norman to, you know, to talk before the season how he going to shut you down and stuff. And if you respond, you shouldn't respond, but they do respond, and it puts you in a bad light. So um, we will see how the Giants handle this because they're investigating. Yeah, that's just, yeah, pretty sad. Well, let's get to another issue this is not player-related, but we know that the Carolina Panthers are up for sale. Uh-huh. Right? There's a, um, there's a there's an e-commerce billionaire named Michael Rubin who is trying to put together a group of people to purchase the Carolina right. Panthers. And and the two names on the list that he's trying to get to go in with him is Sean Diddy Combs and Steph Curry. Okay. Now, and the reason, well, because I believe this guy, this e-commerce guy, is is a minority. Okay. So he's trying to get other minorities to go in with him. Now, the NFL does have a rule that if you're the minority Uh owner, then you have to have, you have to have, I can't remember what the exact figure is, but whatever they're selling the team for, you have to be able to absorb that whole cost. Uh Which which this guy can because they said this guy is worth three billion dollars according to Forbes. They said Sean Diddy Combs cannot be the majority. Oh yeah, you have to you have to be able to have liquid assets. I think it's half of what the franchise is worth. Okay. They said Sean Diddy Combs can't do it. 
he can't be the majority because he's only worth eight hundred and twenty-six okay. million, and Steph Curry is only worth forty-seven yeah. million. This guy's worth three billion, and they said the Panthers are on the market for two point three billion, but they said that price might go down if there's not enough buyers who could jack the price up. Mm, mm, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, so it it will that'd be something that's worth monitoring. It'd, it'd know, be too. great to see that. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great to see Diddy over there having meetings with Jerry Jones and see how that goes. That'd be hilarious. Well, I mean, I don't know what meetings he would have with Jerry well, Jones directly. In meetings with Jerry Jones and the other owners. Oh, being in a meeting yeah. with Jerry Jones. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, he would bring – I think he would bring flavor to the NFL, but the difference is the NBA likes flavor. I don't think the NFL does. Uh-huh. You know, because because the NBA endorses rap music. They endorse hip-hop music. Um, you know, I don't think the NFL really does all that. The NFL really relies on trying to – satisfy their endorsers and their sponsors you know because that's where they get yeah. their money from i mean they're they're, they're they're the you know they're the richest sports franchise out there and they're they're out and they're that way for a reason so all right anything else with the nfl uh no, nothing else in the NFL, not till tomorrow. And they're actually signed contracts. And, you know, we'll, you know, the first tier of dominoes have fallen from the players who've already committed. You know, now we're going to get into second tier signing, you know, over the weekend. So we'll have a lot more to talk about. Yeah, isn't Earl Thomas still out there? Well, no, he's still on the contract. Oh, I think he's a free agent. Well, he's um, he he wants to renegotiate his contract because uh, he only has one year left on his contract. He wants to renegotiate. Uh, apparently, Seattle Seattle did not put him on the market, but apparently, teams were calling Seattle about Earl Thomas, and Seattle listened. But Seattle did not put him on uh-huh. the market. From what I from what I understand, Seattle is trying to renegotiate another contract for him because they want to keep him. Okay. So he's not on the market. But since we brought up Seattle, let's talk about Seattle here for a second. Guess who is taking a visit to Seattle? An ex cowboy player. Who? Uh, who? Demarco Murray. Oh, okay. We didn't even talk about Sherman getting released either, but um, well, we we could talk about that too. Uh, but apparently, Demarco Murray is going there. Seattle is, I think, somewhat in full—I won't say full rebuilding mode—but they're in a defensive rebuilding mode because you got rid of your linebacker, you got rid of Richard Sherman. Um, there's questions on if Cam Chancellor will ever play again because of the injury he suffered last year, which was a neck injury. Mm-hmm. 
you traded away Bennett. So you're in you're in rebuilding mode on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they they and, and you got rid of you let Graham walk, which it it didn't appear he was ever a fit anyway. Yeah, defensively, I don't. You know, they they're definitely going to be in a rebuilding rebuilding mode. They got rid of a lot of key pieces. Um, they're going to have to start over. Uh, the the thing to look out for, the thing to look out for, in my opinion, is uh, Pete Carroll and how he, and his control in the locker room. Um, I think he I think he started to let go of some of the players that were kind of outspoken against him, and, or against well some of the things that were going on or just outspoken in general about the locker room and things like that. So I feel like this is like Pete Carroll kind of like weeding some people out that could have influence. I mean, because I don't know. I don't know. I mean, not to say Sherman was worth the money. I don't think he's worth the money, but he's definitely a, a locker room leader. And I would think that even if he wasn't worth the money he was getting paid, you know, you might have been able to figure out something to do with him. But, um, they're moving on, moving on with Bennett, like you said, and I think they're I think they're really trying to make it Russell Wilson's team. You know, him him be the voice, him be the person who is the who you think of synonymous with the Seahawks. And I think that wasn't the case a couple of years ago. It was a lot of Lynch and Sherman and Bennett and a bunch of other players. Well, you know, you you, you make some good points there, all of which I cannot disagree with. Um Russell Wilson was never really the the face of that team. It was that defense which was the face of the team. Mm-hmm. And I think they're trying to go in a different direction. And like you said, I think they're trying to make Russell Wilson the face of that team. And the only way you're going to do that is get rid of the players who were more outspoken than he is. Yeah. And so that takes us to Richard Sherman. I will say this before we get into this. I have a problem with this signing for this reason. It amazes me how players consistently say, I want to go to a team that's going to win. I want to go to a team that I feel comfortable. But they always run to the team that offers them the most money. (laughs) Definitely. And Richard Sherman made the comment, Right after he got released, I want to go play for a contender. In what stratosphere is the 49ers a contender right now? Why was he getting offered by teams that were contenders? From what I understand, the Saints were interested, New England was interested, Green Bay was interested. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think the Niners was was a uh, was a uh, um, get to play against my former team twice. And judging by what a lot of these Niner fans are saying, albeit they could be delusional, a lot of them feel like they're contenders next year off of what they showed the last half of the season. I disagree. I think there needs to be a lot more to prove except for the last six, seven games or eight games, whatever it was. But a lot of people feel as though the Niners can be contenders next year. But I don't – with that division, the Rams are going to be just as good, I feel – you know, the Seahawks are going to be contenders. I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, I just, you know. Well, I, I, um, 
I think some of the 49er fans are delusional um, because I don't know in what world right now you could say they're going to be contenders off of what I saw last year. Now, what I will say to refute what I just said is when Garoppolo, I can't even pronounce his name. Garoppolo. quarterback, yeah, when he got there last year, they started to play better. He appears to be the quarterback that Shanahan wants. Mm-hmm. They they start to play better. They start to do things good, and their defense was coming along. They might be about four or five players away from contending, but when and I think that, we have to, I think we have to look at the context of what Richard Sherman means when he means a contender. Are you a contender to be a Super Bowl team? Are you a contender to be just a playoff team? Yeah, exactly. Now, if you're if you're saying that you want to go to a team that's a contender to be a playoff team, then you might have went to the right team. You know, because you know the 49ers' aspiration shouldn't be Super Bowl. Yeah, they just don't have enough weapons. Yeah, um, but they can make that team good very quickly because they have a ton of cap room, and there's players out there to go grab. And I think that I think Richard Sherman liked that. You know, he played at Stanford in college. I think he's from the California he's from, area. He's from Compton. Yeah, he's from yeah, so he's from California area. So I think you know him staying on the West Coast and being closer to home and probably being close to Stanford. And I think that was all. I think that all played into his decision. And like you said, with him, you know, figuring out us, you know, figuring out what, what contender he's talking about, you know, right. you know, Super Bowl contender. I, I mean, there's only like, I mean, if you if you look at the landscape right now, what teams can you say are definite Super Bowl contender? If I was to look at the landscape right now, and I would yeah. say, what teams are guaranteed to play for play in that? AFC or NFC championship game to go to the Super Bowl? Yeah. That has a very good chance. I could really only think of three, maybe. Well, yeah. I'll put it this way. I could only think of two, and they're both in the AFC. It's probably the same that's one Pittsburgh. I'm thinking of. Pittsburgh that's and New Pittsburgh England. in New England. Yeah. You have to you – ha- regardless of how good – Philadelphia, are they a one-year wonder? You know, when we talk about guaranteeing to go there, I want a team who has proven year after year after year that they can stay on top. And right now... And Green Green Bay, maybe. Green Bay, maybe, but, you know, the problem I have with Green Bay is as good as everybody says Aaron Rodgers is, Aaron Rodgers has only been to one Super Bowl. He's been on terrible teams. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I, NFL is the only. I mean, it's not basketball. You can't have one good player. He, he's, he. I, I mean, he has shown time and time again through statistics and just his play that he is the best quarterback in the league. Help on the defensive side of the ball, really, and I think that coach is overrated. Well, I think the I think I think the coach is overrated, but you know what? I used to try to give that argument for certain players, 
But then I go back to the team that I hate the most in New England. And Brady, a lot of times, have not had good defenses. But he's always there in an AFC championship game. Well, yeah. I, I believe the AFC is a little bit weaker, too. And I think that Bill Belichick's the best coach, which counts for something. You know? Well, yeah, no, I'm, say, I'm saying it does count for something. I but think, if I'm going to say – if I'm going to say you're the best, heads up, you got the most talent, you're the best. Because I hear Stephen A. saying this about Aaron Rodgers all the time. You're the best, the most talented. You know, you're going on and on and on and on and on. Um, you know what? I want to see you, if you lose the AM, if you lose the NFC Championship game, I want to see you lose by a field goal. I don't want to see you get beat down when you're the best and you don't perform because the last couple of playoff games, he didn't perform well. Except for against the Cowboys. Well, yeah, well, he he he, he seems he seems uh to do do well against the Cowboys regardless. He loves playing <laughs> Cowboys Stadium. So I think I look you know, at Rogers like I look at LeBron James. I think they're both super talented. I think they're both, like, supremely talented at the sport they play. I just think that they both get a bad rap because it takes more than just them to play. And I think I think Rodgers has had really great seasons, and but I, I, we just know it takes more than just putting up stats to win. You know, and he's ran against teams. I mean – just like Dan Marino. People will say Dan Marino top 10. He's never won a Super Bowl ever. But people will give him a top 10 because of the statistics and his arm talent. And I think that's what it comes to when it comes to Rodgers. You just recognize the arm talent and how great of a player he is and how clutch of a player he is. But he's not going to – it's going to take more than him doing that for 16 games for them to win. You know, Marino, I don't know what it was like for him when he played, but it seemed as though – he never really had a defense to complement the offense. And so he always came up short. And then you have somebody like Troy Aikman, who I don't think is a ta- as talented as Marino, but he was able to have a team that was able to put him in positions to win. You know, same as like a Tom Brady, who I don't think is as talented as Aaron Rodgers with his mobility, ability to run, poise in the pocket, arm talent, deep field throwing, be able to throw outs on the run. Like I think Aaron Rodgers is – way more talented than Brady. I think Brady's, you know, is just is subject of having a really great system. And and maybe his IQ is a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers, if you want to give him that. But, um, yeah, Rod, I mean, just for me personally, Rodgers is the best quarterback I've seen with my own eyes. Like, the whole package. I just think that he's severely – when your best receiver is Jordy Nelson at 34 years old and – you 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 your offensive line is beat up and banged up a lot of the time. I don't, I just don't think he's been able to have a full package put together. When he did, they went to Super Bowl and and blitzed the Steelers. It was pretty bad. Okay, so so in saying what you just said, uh-huh. I think we we could table this discussion and make a another two hour segment on just this. <laughs> yeah, and, and this and this is the reason why I say this. And I've always said this. People say Jerry Rice is the best receiver to ever play the game. But they're looking strictly at numbers when they look at him. 
Mm-hmm. But they don't say Emmitt Smith is the best running back ever when he has all the rushing numbers. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, well, I, what, you're, I, I, what you're saying is Aaron Rodgers has the talent over Brady and everything else, but people call Brady the greatest of all time. Well, yeah, I think, I think of course, it will be a bigger discussion for another day, but I... So, in the re- and the reason I say it's a bigger discussion because what you're saying is Aaron Rodgers has never had that complete team around him, or never had was never had a, a a quality coach in my opinion, like a really okay, a good well, a really good quality coach, or a really well what, whatever the case whatever the case is he's never had all the pieces consistently okay, consistently. So, but if you're considered the greatest of all time, do we judge you on your talent? Are off your wins. I, I, again, if, I, it's I, off, if it's off your wins, a lot of that is not predicated on your shoulders because it's different than basketball. Because mm-hmm. Brady doesn't play offense or deep offense and defense. He just plays offense, mm-hmm. and he plays one aspect of the offense, although it's the most important on offense. Yeah, the same Rodgers. So, and like I said, this is a debate for another day because me. And I've seen this guy play. I'm still on Joe Montana's side. Mm. But a lot of people will say, well, no, he can't be the greatest of all time because Brady's been in more Super Bowls. Well, okay, let's look at this. How is Michael Jordan the greatest of all time when Bill Russell's been in more championship games and has more championships? Yeah. Well, I, it, so, I, I think I mean, agreed. I, and I, think, I think that it comes to – I think Brady and Montana are, are close. I think that's why it's always separated by the Super Bowl because they're just that close when it comes to talent. But again, you seen Montana play. I haven't. Like like I actually got to right. see him play live. So I can't say I can just go off of the highlights and what I've seen from highlights and I don't I think they look very close skill wise. They're they're, you know, as far as arm talent and ability to read defenses and um and keep the sh- and carry the shoulder, carry the team on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I think that they think that's why they always say Tom Brady's a little bit better is because that the only thing that can separate them is the wins. And that's when when you nitpick that far into the wins, it's like okay, you got to give it to Brady because he has one more Super Bowl win. I don't know, how, I don't know what the MVPs stack up, but I think Brady has more league MVPs in Montana. So I think that uh, I can't remember how many. I know Brady has five Super Bowls and Montana has four. And then Brady has what four leagues league MVPs? I think he has three. No, he might have four. He won this year. And I think Montana. I think Montana has two. Mm-hmm. Montana has. I think out of the four Super Bowls, he got MVP all four times. So I think that I think that goes into the conversation. But like again, like you said, that can be. A- that, that is another conversation for another day. We can kind of it break is. down quarterbacks. We can probably even give our top five and, you know, put our criteria into what goes into it and all that kind of stuff, maybe. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely so. Uh, before we go, let's get into this NBA talk real quick. Um, okay. The Warriors seem to be sliding without Steph Curry. Do you believe that the Warriors – Okay, I shouldn't say this because anybody has a chance, but what's your percentage of the Warriors winning against the Rockets without Curry? 
I mean, I believe Curry's going to play. It's not a serious injury, but it's showing that the Warriors seem to need Curry. They've lost every game since Curry's been out. And Durant's been putting the big numbers, but the for some reason they've been struggling on the defense side of the ball when it comes to stopping other teams. Okay. Um, before I give you the percentage, I will I will preface it by saying this. Although we see this as just an ankle injury for Steph, we have to remember that in the first half of his career with Golden State, he was injured a lot with ankle injuries. Yeah, this is, and, yeah, this is not a first-time thing for him. And this is the third ankle injury he's had this season. Mm-hmm. So, to me, when you sprain your ankle, that means it's like, you know, it's like a piece of wood. I can only bend it so many times before it breaks. Mm-hmm. And I'm not wishing that on Steph Curry at all. All I'm saying is his ankles are a little fragile. Yeah. Now, in saying that, what is the Houston's Rockets' chances of beating? Chance of beating the Rockets in the playoffs without Steph Curry. What would what would you what percentage would you put on it? I still think they got a 75% chance of winning. Without Steph. Yeah. Ooh, that's a, and that's this a hot is the reason take. Why. Okay. This is the reason why. Because James Harden has not proven to me that he's a big-time player in the playoffs yet. Okay. Because he, he, he'll put up good numbers. Say if you're in a seven-game series, in seven games, I will say three out the – if it goes seven – I would say three, maybe four games out to seven, he'll put up good numbers. But if it goes to the seventh game, he has not been able to put up good numbers in the seventh game of a series in all the years he's been with the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. So I can't say he's a, a big-time player at a big-time moment. Mm-hmm. And I can say the same thing for his running mate in the backcourt, CP. Even though I love to watch me some C3, mm-hmm. I think he's the best point guard in the league when we talk about true point guard. But it seems to be he can't get it done either because he's never been successful in the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. So because of that, and we know that Durant puts up the numbers, um, and we know Steph Curry will, even though Steph Curry to me is kind of the same boat as Harden. He he gets lost in. Uh, I disagree with but, that. I just, but you know, it's for a different day. Uh, well, I'm not saying he gets lost all the time, but you know, for all the accolades that we give Steph Curry, I go back to the year before last when they were up on Cleveland three games to one. And they couldn't they couldn't close out Cleveland. Where was Steph Curry for four games? I mean, I I think I think he showed up. I just don't think he had his best games. Uh, so I, if, you're, if, but, you're, if you're saying see, this, see, if you're saying that Steph Curry doesn't play his best games and that in big moments, and you go back to those couple games, and I, I can give you that. You know, he's also he's won two of the last three as well. I think he I think he brings more in the finals to that team than what goes in the box score. I think I think that teams have to ramp down their defense 
more. They have to un- they understand that you need to guard him when he comes from half court, so he has to get the ball out of his hands more. So for me, I don't think he shows up statistically like he does in the regular have to cram down on him, which opens up more for Clay Thompson, who seems to play better um, in the playoffs, just statistically wise, um, because he gets more looks and opportunities. And the same with Kevin Durant, you know. So I think he brings more to the table than what shows in the box score. I think you got to play that team fifty-two feet or whatever it is from the half court to the to the to the basket with Curry. And so, you know, but I, I don't think he's completely disappeared like a James Harden who had. 12 turnovers in this game seven. I don't think he's done anything like that. I just think that he's not in a, you know, Steph Curry is not Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson or a player who is going to be able to physically get himself to the basket if he needs to get fouled or somebody who can physically dominate. He's he dominates because of space. And when you cut down space well, on him, I think that's, I think that's when the Warriors start. That's what, won the MVP in my opinion. You know, he was he was able he was able he doesn't get he wasn't getting double teamed. He wasn't getting a lot of uh, hard looks because you have to you gotta stop Steph Curry from coming up and, and getting any shot he wants. That's just bottom line. I think that's what stop I think that's how you stop the the Warriors, which is why I think that's how they lost that that three one lead. It's cause you, you just let Durant do his thing or you let the you let the other players do their thing and stop Steph Curry. You know, and I think that's I think that's what it is. And you know, going to my last question when it comes to basketball, LeBron and the Cavs have also been struggling as of late. They've been struggling pretty bad actually. And they lost to the they beat the Nuggets, but they lost to the Clippers, the Lakers, and a few other teams. Um do you believe that they can fix things and get things back on track when it comes to the playoffs? Or do you well, do you believe that this team just isn't talented enough? Um, just isn't talented enough on a nightly consistent basis. I mean, they don't have Kevin well, Love, so they're, they're missing their, be- their second best player, I guess. Okay, well, you, I, I'll look at it this way with Cleveland. Cleveland is still my team to come out the East. Mm-hmm. But the problem that you're seeing with Cleveland right now is two problems. Number one is injuries, and number two is number two is half their roster has changed mm-hmm. from the first of the season. It takes time in the NBA to mold a roster, and I think what you see them going through is struggles as far as knowing how to communicate with each other out on the floor mm-hmm. and knowing how to play with each other. Because now you figure you got Kevin Love who's injured, you got Tristan Thompson who's injured. You got one of the guys that they just um, traded for, Hood. Yeah, Rodney Hood. He's injured. You know, so those are three three of your core players that you depend on who's injured. And then and then um, this other guy who's injured, too, who started out, Osman. Uh-huh. He's injured. So... The problem, the problem Cleveland is going to face is you got these guys injured when they should be on the court trying to create chemistry with each other. Mm-hmm. By the time they come back, will they have enough time to create chemistry? That's what Cleveland's going to have to go up against. Um, 
So I still I'm still picking Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But but even though I'm still picking them, they they, they will have some obstacles to overcome. They they, they have to get better. As far as Golden State and as far as Golden State and Steph Curry, this is what I'll say for Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody is trying to compare Steph Curry to MJ or anybody else, except for what I have a problem with is when these sports analysts put these players on a pedestal and and they don't deserve to be on that pedestal because a lot of times these players are put on a pedestal that you have no alternative but to compare them to some of the greatest. You know, because I, I hear Stephen A. Smith saying he's the best outside shooter he's ever seen play the game. He said Clay Thompson is the second best outside shooter he's ever seen play the game. Mm-hmm. That's your opinion. There's some guys in there that I would put over. I would put over Thompson, maybe not Steph Curry. You know, who's a better outside shooter? Um, but yeah, that, but, that's you know, that's kind of that's that's what the analysts are paid for to give their opinion, right? Well, no, I, I, I'm I, I'm not I'm not doubting that. I mean, you could give your opinion all you want to, but you have to understand when you give your opinion about something. And a lot of people share the same opinion. These players get these players are now bloated to the average person on who they truly are. Because if we're saying Steph Curry is all this, I can show you numbers in the championship series where he doesn't show up every game. But this team is so deep they could overcome him not showing up. Okay. And and all I'm saying is I don't put him in the category of all this greatness if on the biggest stage you have an off game. Now, you know, LeBron James got crucified in the Dallas Mavericks series when he was with Miami because he didn't have the best game. Or the or the Celtics series before the championship. Right. He got crucified. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, he won't get crucified. And you know the reason why? It's because Ever since LeBron came into the league, he was already projected before he ever came into the league to be the king. Mm-hmm. So he has no upward mobility to go. Mm-hmm. When Steph Curry came in, nobody ever thought in their wildest dreams Steph Curry would be the type of outside shooter he is right mm-hmm. now. Because he was a little fragile kid coming out of, uh, where did he come Davidson. out of? Davidson. Yeah. yeah. Nobody knew who he was. So when he makes it to the top, yeah, we're going to build him up because he was never up there. LeBron came out of high school already there. Mm-hmm. So everything he does gets magnified and he yeah. gets crucified. Yeah. You know, and all I'm saying is if LeBron James in Cleveland was up 3-1 on a team and lost, could you imagine the scrutiny LeBron James would be getting? Oh yeah, I mean he's the best player in the league. He would he would get right. he would get a lot of scrutiny. But a lot of people, a lot of people say Steph Curry is maybe number three in the league as far as best player. They were up three one 
year before last, and they lost. To the best player. Yeah, but what I'm saying is still, if you're that great. And he was hurt, or he was, like, battling injury. I'm just saying why. I'm just giving, uh, I'm just giving reasons why nobody's going to. If nobody's going to no, scrutinize, because I mean Steph Curry's if, first if, time in the finals, he won. It took LeBron. It took yeah. LeBron three to win. This is why I'm just giving reasons why LeBron was scrutinized and Steph Curry hasn't. His first time in the in the no, finals, it only took, he won. It only took LeBron two two finals. No, his third finals appearance, he won. It took him three. It's because he lost to Dallas. He lost to. San no, he won in his third one. That's what I'm saying. So it, I, took him he, it took him three. Lost. It took him three. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you gotta look at the. But you gotta look at the teams he played on. When he took that first Cleveland team, back when he was with Cleveland, his first thing, that team was worse. Than I'm not. This team I'm not. Right I'm not now. trying to argue all that. I'm, all I'm saying is I'm giving reasons why LeBron has been scrutinized and why Curry, his first time coming out of the gate, becoming a superstar, he won a championship. You you hit the ceiling. As far as what you can do in this league, right? So if he well, has well, if no, he has another no. series where he doesn't necessarily show up a hundred percent of what he was doing in the regular season, one we weren't expecting this from you because you already said that we weren't really expecting him to be this all-time great player, and two he's already won it, right? So like again, it took LeBron on his third try to win. And it was, be- and I'm not. I'm just giving that as the reasons why they and and Curry being the third best player to LeBron, that's still a whole step below LeBron. Like when when, so like I don't think, I don't think Curry's on that LeBron level, or he's on that Michael Jordan level, or he's on that LeBron. I mean Curry's on that Charles Barkley level, and he's on that um, he's on that you know Olajuwon level, <laughs> you know where you're like a great player, you're impactful. But you're not. You you never been considered the best player in the league. You're never going to be considered that because of the position you play or the stature in which you are, which I think that's what Curry is. So I think when Curry, when when but Curry, once Curry won it, once he won it, all that goes away. All, all I'm saying is these arguments with regards to how great these players are need to be tempered. Because I could make an argument for Steph Curry being the greatest. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what these analysts do. They could talk about Steph Curry, and they can make an argument on why he's the greatest. But then they could turn around and, and talk about LeBron and make an argument on why he's the best. Mm-hmm. You, you don't do that. You, either this guy's the best or he's not the best. Okay? But, it, it's Steph- again, it's all subjective, like you say, right? Well, it's not really subjective because they use stats and everything else to determine who's the best. To me, I don't think anybody will ever catch LeBron as being the best because I have not seen any player who could orchestrate the flow out on the court better than LeBron. And to me, that says a lot. That means you're a coach out on that floor. You could diagnose what a team is doing against you and adjust on the floor, and a lot of players can't do that. They got to call a timeout and let their coach tell them what's going on. Yeah. I think that's why LeBron is heads and tails above anybody else because he could sit out there on the floor and diagnose what you're doing against him and adjust. A lot of players really can't do that. Steph Curry doesn't have to do it because, you know what, I'll just come down and shoot a 40-foot bomb. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I don't have to do it. But all I'm saying is, when you're a Steph Curry, 
and, you, and you're being put on a pedestal that these analysts are putting him on, irregardless of where you got drafted or whatever, because you've already won a championship. We know. But what's what, what's the pedestal? Just being the best shooter? I'm trying to figure well, out what no, the pedestal you're talking about. No, they're putting him. That he's on the pedestal of being the best outside shooter to ever play the game. Of all this greatness he has of being mm-hmm. able to lead Golden State, two league MVPs. Mm-hmm. But when he's up three to one and he can't close out a series, you hear nothing about it. And that's where I have a problem. Because to me, if he is this great, there is no great player who whoever gets up three to one and loses. I mean, I I think they're calling him a great shooter. I don't think they're calling him like a great player. Oh, they're calling him a great. But player. even 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 if they're calling him a great player, I mean, he lost to the greatest player that's playing right now. That's why <laughs> to me that's why that, to me that's why you don't to me that's why you don't think I don't see you don't see a lot of it. To me, I hear a lot of like. Draymond Green was suspended for a game, and Curry was dealing with a knee injury, and LeBron's the greatest player, and he showed why he was the greatest player that set, that series. You know, I don't, I don't, I hear more praise for what LeBron did than what Curry didn't do, and I think that's because you're playing against the best player in the league. Well, so LeBron, LeBron's going to get that look. Well, I think he's what also, LeBron he's also, did, what LeBron also, did in that series, no other player has ever done. He averaged a triple double for the whole series. Exactly. There, there's there's no other player ever to play in a championship series who averaged a triple double. And, and it took it, it took some record breaking performance to to come back. That's oh, why yeah. I think they. That's why I think that's why I think they talk more about what LeBron did, and or or, or less about what Curry didn't do. Is because LeBron LeBron did something historic and brought his team back. And the very next year, Curry Curry and his team. You know, of course they added Durant. But they came back and got another championship. So I just don't think you're going to hear too much. If, if Curry had lost to, like, the Wizards or something in a 3-1 lead, then I think, of course, because Curry is the best player on the floor at that year. It was Curry, and then it, and it was Klay Thompson, Harrison Barnes. They didn't have Durant. But I think because he lost to LeBron, the best player in the league, and, and because of he was dealing with an injury and because Draymond Green was out for a game, I just think that you don't hear a lot of you don't hear a lot of excoriation upon Curry's part for losing that series, yeah. especially since they came. Especially since the series before, they were down three one and came back. No, you they know, never went down three. Oh, you talking about against OKC? Yeah, the series before they came back three. They were down three one. Yeah, but and that's they, and they that's, came back, so they they essentially won like six games in a row. Yeah, but like that's, won that's, six that's, the last that's, seven. that's OKC. I know. I'm just. I'm yeah. saying that that those were the two highlights of that year. Yeah. OKC yeah. losing that three-one lead, and then Golden State turning around losing that. But I. I mean, I agree with you. I feel like I. I just think these these sports analysts is TV. They have nothing else to talk about, so they're gonna they're gonna say one day Harden's the MVP, the next day, you know, Davis is the MVP. I. I think it gives them something to talk about. But I do believe Curry right now is is a uh, is the third or fourth player, best player in the league. But when it comes down to it 40 years from now, is he going to be a top 15 player? Nah. Is he going to be – and I don't think he should be looked at as such. I don't think he's going to be let in me, that effort. Let me effort, ask you this question. Uh-huh. I, heard, I heard Max Kellerman say this the other day, and it just made me want to go to Max Kellerman and say, what are you watching? Mm-hmm. Now, he came out and said next year, Anthony Davis – 
will pass LeBron James as being the best player in the NBA. I saw that. I now, saw. I saw him say that. Yeah. How can you pass him when you're not even at number two yet? <laughs> Everybody says Durant is the second best player in the league. Yeah. So, so you got to leapfrog Durant before you talk <laughs> about leapfrog LeBron. Hey, I, I, um, I don't necessarily agree with Max Kellerman, um, but Anthony Davis is coming, and because he, him being six eleven and him playing way better defense than LeBron does on a consistent basis, and he, and and him being a very much improved um, scorer and ball handler. I think that's. I think he's going to be a top five next year. Number one, no, but top five. I well, I put I it think, this way. I think he's going to supplant Westbrook. I think as long as LeBron plays, he's going to be the best player. Mm, nah, if you don't play defense, how are you the best player? Oh, he plays defense. I, nah, he he definitely picks his spots. And then, I mean, you could say that he plays. He 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 ramps it up for the playoffs, and he shows you what he could do all regular season. But well, I, let me ask I truly, you a question. I, let me ask yeah. you a question. Who's the best player in the NBA right now? Right now, I would have to give LeBron. Okay, and he still doesn't play defense, but you still say. But he's I think, the best. No, I think, <laughs> but I think he's, I think he's way better offensively than 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 Davis. But let Davis get some time, being getting better as an offensive player. He's only twenty five. When he gets becomes like you say, LeBron's able to assess the floor and the and, and dictate the flow. I think when Aaron when Aaron What's his name? Davis. When he becomes Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, when he gets more experience under his belt in a year or two, um, he could be that because right well, now, so- right now, LeBron is really great because what he's doing offensively, defensively, judging by these statistics, I'm just going to go by the statistics of what these analysts the second worst defender in the league because he's really doing much on defense. Like, you know what I mean? He's not really trying to push it, which I get it, but He's also doing that because he knows his age. He's played 82 games. He's going to play 82 games. He's played every game this season. Like, he's, he has to do more than what I think he wants to do. The reason, so I, I, the reason I say he will be the best player until he retires is because of everything else he could do on the floor. See, with Kobe Bryant, it was different. Kobe Bryant was a scorer. Kobe Bryant didn't analyze the floor and do everything else. Ooh, he I think he did. I, you, you have to watch that documentary Spike Lee did. He, they followed a game with Kobe, and Kobe was on the floor. He's, like, literally telling all the players what to yeah, do but and where to be when, at. When I say that, you have to play all aspects of offense. Kobe wasn't a great assist man. Yeah, yeah, he's not the best passer. He wasn't a great rebound guy. He was a scorer. He analyzed the floor to score. Mm-hmm. LeBron analyzes the floor to create opportunities for his teammate and himself. There's a there's a huge difference in that. And that's why I believe LeBron will be the best player until he retires because of his ability to be able to get to he has that pass first mentality. But you, you think you think being able to pass the ball and rebound can make you a best player if you don't or you're not the best shooter? Yeah. Like no, nah, because yeah. that's Ben Simmons. <laughs> like Ben Simmons is a, he's averaging more. He's averaging about the same amount of assists as LeBron. He's a rebounder, but he can't shoot to save his life, and he's a better defender than LeBron. But nobody's well, going to say that. Question. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What do you watch the game for? Somebody who can score, or somebody who plays defense. I watch the, well, well, who, or the game. No, what do you watch the game the for? Game excitement. For? 
I'm watching okay. a game for excitement. Excitement is scoring. Players are always going to get props because of but the I, okay, scoring. But before you do that, though, I also know basketball. I watch for excitement, but I can assess who's good. Like, I don't, I just, I, I watch the game for excitement. That doesn't mean they're the best player. Like, Westbrook's really exciting to watch every single time he touches the ball. I would never put him better than LeBron uh, because of, you know, he's just, he's just not better than LeBron. Like, Curry's way more exciting to watch than LeBron is. He pulls up from half court. Like, it's way more exciting to watch. He goes behind the back, under the legs. He's making flashy passes. He's way more exciting than LeBron to watch. Like, that's just, for me, my point of view, excitement. I'm on my edge of my seat watching the Warriors every time, I, every time they play. But I can look at the players and say LeBron's a better player right now, you know, because of what he can bring to the table like you're talking about. But in, if in, two, to, in two years, if LeBron's still playing and he can't stay in front of somebody defensively consistently or he's not able to be a consistent outside shooter, I mean, he's shooting well right now. But let's just say, hypothetically, in two years, he's, not the, he's averaging back to what he was early on as a three-point shooter, like, like low 30%, high 70% free throw shooter. He's not defending anybody. He's just really good at passing and, what, rebounding? I wouldn't make out that wouldn't be the best player, especially when Anthony Davis, who is seven, seven foot almost, and he can rebound, he can block shots. He's probably going to be defensive player of the year this year. And he's only getting better offensively. It's like a 6'11 LeBron. But I, I think you and I look at aspects of the game differently because when I look at somebody like LeBron, say he's 33. Mm-hmm. Say in two years he's 35. If he could still give me 20 points, eight rebounds, and eight assists and demand that the other team's attention out on that floor, he's still the best player. Because even he's going to give me more. He, he's going to give me winning. more. Hold on, hold on. He's going to give me more in three aspects of the game than any other player playing. But, but and he's, he's going to have he's, and he's going to demand the attention of that other coach on the sideline. Ben Simmons is great. And I think if Ben Simmons develop a shot, he's going to be a lot better. But Ben, ben Simmons can't score from 10 feet out. Yeah. Because he can't score. But if he develops it, he's going to be great. LeBron James already has all that. He could rebound. He could assist. He could block shots. He, he gets steals. He does all that. What they say when they talk about defense is one-on-one. There's not a lot of players in the NBA who are great one-on-one players. There are players. I mean, LeBron. LeBron at one point was. That's what I'm saying. That's what made him the best player to me, because he was a def- he was that guy on defense. Now there are players who all, are great. All there are players who are great team defensive players now, and that's what I see. LeBron I, I is agree. a great team defensive player. Not an individual one-on-one. And like you said, which I agree with, he's saving himself half the time because you got to look at who he's guarding most of the time. They're going to put LeBron on – they're going to put LeBron on the non-scorer of the other team so LeBron can rest. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing is LeBron looks like he's lost on defense because he got a lot of other guys – who are trying to fit in that he has to work with. This yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I, I just don't see – I don't see him making the same defensive impact he used to make. He used well, to be 
blocking – it used to be – he's always been a great help defender. As much as LeBron's been a great defender, he's only been an all-defensive player like twice. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. We talk about that. The, your worst defensive player is going to end up winning MVP. Then James Harden, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, defense, I mean, so it, it, it goes but we, to say that even the MVP votes, they don't look at defense. They're looking at what you can do offensively because that's – I mean, everybody knows no matter what sport you play, defense wins championships, but offense wins awards. Yeah, I, I, I definitely – as long as LeBron is playing, he's going to still be the best player because he's still going to do, do things offensively that other players can't do, even though he gives up on defense most of the time, except in close games because he does get crucial blocks at the right time. But if Anthony Davis does all of what LeBron does in two years, then, then who will be a best player? Well... You know, I I think that's what that I think that's if we go if we're rounding the conversation back to where it was, I think that's what Anthony Davis is talking. I think that's what Max Kellerman was talking about. But see, the one, thing, Anthony, that, the Anthony, one thing, Davis, thing that Anthony Davis has to do for me before he becomes that is to be a floor general, and I don't think he will ever get the chance because of the offense. Well, he plays. They're, they're, they're all different. They're all different players. I don't think right. he's ever going to be a floor general, but. At one point in time, Shaq was the best player in the league. He wasn't a floor general. You know, I don't think you have to be the floor general to be. I think I think Davis is so imposing on defense, and then he, and then he's a great. He's a seven foot player who can shoot three pointers at a forty three, and and he has a handles like that. so, and he's able to pass the ball, move the. I don't think he's ever going to be like LeBron when he's a point forward. But LeBron can never be what what uh, da- Davis is, which is an opposing. Post defender, a guy who's seven foot who can guard the rim and guard the the it could actually guard guards at seven foot, you know. So I think that's I think that's what it is. I think you can be a different player. You don't have to be the floor general. I agree with well, you. I don't think you have to be the floor general. But you, when, when you talk about surpassing the the per- current person who is a floor general, you have to give me more than what LeBron could give me. For me to say that you have passed LeBron, that's what I'm saying. If he's giving you a defense and LeBron isn't, that's a whole side of the that's a whole side of the court. I'm not. Yeah, but also that Davis also, is giving blocks a game. You can't go on the inside on him, so he changes the floor. Like he's changing how you attack this team offensively because you cannot go in the middle on this team. You have to become an outside shooter. Like he he's dictating the floor, just like just like LeBron dictates the floor on offense. Davis does that on defense, right? And he's only going to get better at doing that. So in two you know, years, with if Davis's offense can come somewhat close to what LeBron does, as far as just being a proficient scorer and being able to be un- unstoppable in the block, and then he's all world defensively, like LeBron's all world as a as a floor general, then I, I believe. Oops, that's an accident. I believe that um. He has definitely the potential to be better. I I I I think so because you, LeBron. The one thing that's not beat is is um what's it called Father Time. So even if LeBron was thirty nine years old, like like Jordan was playing with the Wizards, uh, even if LeBron gives me eight assists and eight rebounds and tw- twenty two points, if if you're not making the same impact, if if you're not doing what you used to do on the floor, you're like Kevin Love with the Timberwolves. 
you're putting up stats, but it's really making an impact. And that's all I'm saying about Davis is Davis is clearly making an impact now. If you just more of his games, it, he's becoming he's becoming what people thought he was going to be five years ago. Somebody that you have to game plan. Defensively, he's unstoppable. Like he's going to block shots all in the post. And offensively, he's gaining to catch up, and it's finally catching up. I was looking at his stats right now, and um, he's averaging 28 points per game right now. 28 points per game, blocks a game, three assists, eight and a half defensive rebounds. Where's a full rebound? Oh, 11 and a half rebounds, and he's shooting percent from the free throw line. 50% from the field goal and 35% from three. You know, to, to, to me, he's showing that he's already up there off, offensively as far as scoring as LeBron is. It's just, the, like you said, it's the floor general thing. But I think Anthony Davis's defense makes up so much of that, what he loses as being a floor general. And, a, and a, you know, because that help defense on top of that one-on-one defense is, is, is ridiculous at 25 years old. Well, you, you make a lot of good valid points. I'll just end it on this note. There's only been one best player in the league who was a great defensive player. Who is that? That, that, they, that they call the best player, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Every other player. Well, you don't, think, you don't have, think Kobe was a good defender? I think Kobe was a good team defender. I don't think he was a great individual defender because he never he never made first team all defense. He did. That's why. That's what somebody was arguing with me the other day when I was talking about Kobe wasn't a good defender. But he made like four first team all defensive, like six second team. Like he was a lot. What I was looking at, like he's he. And I was wondering about. I wanted to ask you. You think that was because there was not a lot of quality defenders at the time shooting guard wise or, or was well, that there wasn't the court- there wasn't because when you look at it when you look at it, when Kobe was in the league as a shooting guard there wasn't a, there was the only other great shooting guard in the league when he was around with Dwayne Wade yeah but defenders like do you think like, I know there was Bruce Bowen but outside outside of him there wasn't a lot of good defenders either right I don't no, think there wasn't there wasn't a lot so a lot of times you become a great defensive player because at your position there really isn't any. And a lot of times, you know, um, you know, like I said, you know, Michael Jordan was the last what they considered the best player in the league who nice. played defense. Mm-hmm. Because when Shaq was the best player in the league, he wasn't a defense player. Everybody knows Shaq didn't play defense because as big as he is, Shaq should have averaged 10 blocks a game. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the only other player who was close to being the best player, he, I, I take that back because you made a comment about Elijah Wan. Uh-huh. Wan won two titles. He, he was considered the best player in the league because you got to remember that when he won those two titles, when Michael Jordan retired for them two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was considered the best player in the league, and he was all – he was all defensive, first team all defense those two years too. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very rare. It's just like any sport. It's very rare to find a person who exceeds at a high level on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. 
you're either going to exceed on one side or the other. Um, and Kobe, Kobe won nine first uh, all-defensive teams. And then three second. I didn't even know it was that much. Three second and one third. Yeah, I didn't know it was that much either. I, you know, Kobe was a good, great player. I'm not t- 